Well, Coach, we talk often about setbacks. We talk often about obstacles. We talk about maintaining uh, a level of focus and staying in the moment, taking an unplanned week off, and not just a, a week off, completely off, outside of remote learning, remote video work. You didn't see them for a whole week. That has to be one of the more stranger moments in your career. 35 years as a head coach, have you ever been without your team for an entire week during the middle of a season? Joe, uh, that has never happened. I hope that that never happens again. That means we will be at, through all this craziness. But, yeah, I mean, when we played San Marcos on a Friday, we decided not to bring our kids up the next day. We did everything by Zoom the next morning for precaution. And then we got put on hold for a week. We literally went from a Friday night when we saw them, and, uh, saw them on the field, drove them home on the bus, and didn't see them in person again until the next Monday. You talk about overcoming that adversity, and we talked a little bit about how there was some adversity to overcome against Hayes. Despite the victory, you knew that there were things to work on. When you got to actually see the kids next, what was the response, that first practice out of the gate after not seeing them for a week? What was their mindset as they hit the practice field? Well, that Monday in pre preparation for Hayes, it was probably our best Monday that we've had as far as the juice that the kids brought to the practice field, not necessarily in, in execution, but just energy, effort, an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of, uh, God, we're just so thankful to be back to this game that we love. And the identity of this team, I know you've mentioned it several times in quarterback clubs, several times in no huddle with Todd Dodge. This is a team that just absolutely loves football. And I think that's a that's a unique identity. We always talk about how teams take on the identity of their coach. They take on the identity of their position coach. You start to see not only the toughness, but the intelligence, the ability from the neck up to overcome that adversity to remain focused and really just do it for the love of the game. And I think that's a unique identity for a team to have, especially one coming off a state championship a year ago. Well, this is a very hungry team. And I told them, I said, no matter what happens this year, uh, and I think there's some special things that can happen for this team. This team will always have a special place in my heart because it's so evident uh, under such unique circumstances, their absolute love for the game of football. There's no bad attitudes as far as practice. 95% of my guys are virtual learners. It's almost like they get to get out of the house, you know, to come <laughs> practice football. It's like that's it's their release. And they, they've been executing real well this week. The three practices that we've had, the three physical practices, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, have been so spot on. It's been a beautiful thing to see. Let's move on to Aikens. Obviously, they've made some hay. They they have a, a quarterback that really makes things difficult. And, of course, we talk about the number of opportunities that you have against AISD teams and playing on the road at Berger. Quincy Welch delivers something a little bit different. And what have you seen from year one to year two going into 2020 that's a little different about the quarterback play at Aikens? Well, this kid is a big physical kid. Aikens has always had very capable skill position players. When we step on the field on Friday night, we'll remind us a little bit of Hayes from the standpoint of the size and the quickness. Quincy has, you know, especially early in the year, I mean, they played uh, a really good Hendrickson team uh, right down to the wire. But he's a guy that can get streaky, you know, and, and really put the ball on people. And so we've really been impressed with him. What do you see defensively from Aikens? They have some outside linebackers that, that appear to be a very capable cornerback. And number two, Kashawn Butler, very athletic in the defensive backfield. But what's the main focus from Aikens defensively that you see against your offense? Well, once again, probably the strength of their defense is, is the back end, the secondary. Uh, Robert Malay, number 11, he is the boundary safety or the 
free safety, uh, a guy that really likes to, to come up and fill their cover 14. Number 11 does a really nice job of reading, running pass, and, and filling gaps. Kind of similar to number three for Hayes, the big safety that Hayes had. Uh, Kamani Smith, 5'10", 185-pound uh, junior cornerback. Keyshawn Butler, big, good-looking athlete, uh, both plays on offense and defense. And then uh, Devin Ritter, number 20, uh, outside linebacker, is a very active guy. I think one of the things that we've always talked about is versatility on this team over the course of the first five games, and none more so than the offensive line. And I want to take some time and talk about their effort because you're seeing a lot of different guys getting opportunities there, and not only getting opportunities, but getting opportunities at multiple positions. And it seems like every time we turn around, there's a new person that is the most productive offensive lineman. Last week, it was Ryan McMillan. The week before that, it was Connor Robertson. You're, you're starting to see a, a mold of an offensive line that that is really starting to play physical football and really starting to mesh well no matter where anybody starts. And I think that's something that I don't think most high school football teams really understand the value of having such a deep offensive line. Well, we are blessed and we're playing, you know, we're playing anywhere from seven to 10 offensive linemen every game of the year this year. Uh, as far as the starting rotation, it basically is like this. The guys that they graded out the best the last game, those are the five that are going to start the next week. So, Competition is huge. That doesn't mean the other guys aren't going to play, but uh, there's been tremendous competition. They all want they all want to be in that starting lineup. Uh, we built depth. We've got three different guys that have played center. Five different guys have played both guards. Uh, we've had four different guys who've played either left tackle or right tackle. We've probably got the as a collective group. We've got the best size that we've had maybe since we've been here. When you look at you know two tackles that are. 275 plus athletic guys, you know, Bray, Bray Lynch and Connor Robertson are both big physical dudes, but they're very athletic. They move really well. Of course, Jack Griffin, uh, our junior center and guard, uh, very athletic, plays with a mean streak. You know, the steady Eddie in all of them is Christian McWilliams. Kelby has played well. Of course, Ryan McMillan was a great addition. He's a guy, uh, you know, y'all know me. I, I love guys that never have a bad day. He's another one of those guys that doesn't have a bad day. He's he's always talking, chirping. He's a new guy to our to our football program. He never was shy uh, since the day he stepped on campus. Now, just, just by the look of him, he, he seems like he fits right in with this group. And I think that's a testament to the community of Westlake when you have guys that – did not grow up in Westlake. Maybe they didn't play Pop Warner, but they got here in middle school. Or maybe they weren't here in middle school and they got here their freshman year. And we've talked to some of those, what I call legacy guys, Westlake guys that have been around a long time, guys like Mookie Taft, who grew up in the Westlake area. That's all they know is, hey, I wake up on Saturday morning, I play Pop Warner football, and then all of a sudden I'm playing underneath the Friday Night Lights at Chaparral Stadium. But it speaks to the identity of your players and the ability to be welcoming and having that open atmosphere. You've had new guys come in at various times in their high school career. From your perspective, how do you see it as the head coach to welcome new guys and mesh them into the culture? I just think it's real simple. I think it's an attitude. You've either got a winner's attitude or you've got a loser's attitude in life. And to me, the winning attitude is, is when someone new joins an organization, the people that uh, are in the position group or in the office or in their team, they welcome them. And if they can make us better uh, around here, I found out with, with these kids, they're not ones that are uh, jealous of someone new coming in that's going to take someone's spot. If you can come in and, and help the Shaps be a better football team, you're going to be welcomed in a hurry. And also, if you're a guy that comes in and you're a worker and you're physical, 
some cycles we have very few over this last cycle we've had a few new faces come to our team and they've all been productive and they've all been very welcome final thought coach when you talk about your overall experience in dealing with the COVID-19 protocols and the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. I think the message that we talked about with Tony Salazar last week and that we've talked with the players is maintaining that really that mantra that you have is control what you can control and and don't worry about the rest of it and don't stress about it. And I think that's that's easier said than done with, with the amount of frustration because it's palpable. You could see it. You could hear it last week in some of the interviews that we conducted with some of the players that there was some frustration. But at the end, it's take inventory of what you can control. And that mantra seems to be really the foundation of everything that you say, not just week to week, game to game, but almost practice to practice day to day. That probably overused word in the industry of football is building a culture. It is true. You either have a a good culture, a great culture, or you have a bad culture. From here, part of our culture is buying into things that we can control. And that was something that was very evident in our state championship run last year. It was very evident in our back-to-back semifinalist teams. And so now it's just who we are. It's what our kids do. They buy into that. And, you know, as a coach, you know, you can have all your philosophies and ways you want to run a team that you want, and it's all good stuff and it's proven stuff. But year in, year out, if you don't have a group of kids that are smart enough to buy into it and understand there's a blueprint uh, for victory, uh, then you're backing up. And these kids absolutely buy into it. This day and age of what we're all under in football it's in, uh, and in life, there's so many things that we don't control. But I know one thing, when I first got here seven years ago, there was a whole lot of worrying about a whole lot of things that we couldn't control. And that was something, to be honest with you, that, that had to change in Westlake football for us to get back to where Westlake needed to be uh, in the big picture in the landscape of Texas high school football. Coach, as always, thanks for the time and good luck. Thanks so much, Joe. Have, have a great day.